Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 15:14 that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lincoln Liu, your other host. Be sure to check out other resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. This season of 1514 is brought to you in part by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Boyce College. A lifetime of faithfulness in counseling, preaching, teaching, and discipling begins with an education that is trusted for truth. Southern Seminary and Boyce College offer undergraduate, master's level, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling that you can trust to be scripturally grounded and life-transforming. The aim of our program at Boyce College is to prepare graduates to serve in counseling ministries and to position them for graduate-level training in biblical counseling. If your next step in counseling is earning a master's or doctoral degree, Southern Seminary equips our graduates fully online or on campus to counsel God's Word faithfully and skillfully in both individuals and families. To learn more about an undergraduate biblical counseling degree, go to boycecollege.com 1514. That's boycecollege.com 1514. For more information about graduate-level credentials, the web address is sbts.edu slash 1514. You will also find direct links to these degree programs in the show notes of today's 1514 episode. Thanks so much for listening. Well, Ellen, thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. Could you uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Sure, yeah, Ellen Dykus. I serve as the, uh, actually a new role I'm starting with Harvest USA as Director of Equipping for Ministry to Women. And so I've been on staff here a little over 16 years and we, our focus is on kind of biblical counseling, discipleship uh, to women, men, families impacted by sexual brokenness, and then equipping the church. So I'm moving out of kind of our, a lot of our direct ministry and we'll be focusing more on uh, producing resources and doing equipping ministry. Uh, but my life is in all ministry. I'm involved in my local church, love doing Bible study and being involved in different care ministry aspects at our church and uh, just celebrating life. Oh, very good. And for our audience who've listened for a long time, we did an episode a while ago on, on Harvest USA. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if you haven't Great. heard that episode, you can go back and find out more about that excellent ministry. Uh, and we've also, I, well, we've talked about, and I've told people to go see Into the Light. I haven't had the creators mm. of that on our yeah. podcast yet, but I need to. Uh, and you got to participate in that documentary as well. So Yes, along with your beautiful wife along with my wife she was my favorite participant but i'm biased so yeah i I, I support that yeah that was really a blessing to be a part of that which is a teaching documentary you can maybe post a link to that as well on pornography and i love kind of the vision behind it is that some people aren't readers but they will watch some brief videos with kind of a teaching discipleship component so uh yeah i was really encouraged to be able to offer that and even to be a a female voice speaking mm-hmm. into those issues. No, you did an excellent job and it was really good. And and we will, I'm hoping to have, uh, actually, maybe I did have those guys on the podcast, but anyway, I would like to have them on again because they've got some new things coming out and everything. But this is, this is about you, not about ministry. <laughs> uh, this is it's an opportunity. All <laughs> it does all merge together because we're yeah. not, 
we're not just part of our lives. Uh, well, well, thanks for telling us a little about, about what the Lord's doing with you in ministry and through your church and things. But this episode is a getting to know you episode, so we want to take some time to actually get to know you as a person. So tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and what was life like for Ellen growing up? Yeah. Yeah, well, I live in Philadelphia. I've been here for 18 years, but grew up in the Midwest in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, one of eight kids in my family back there with some uh, really positive faith, um, faith influence there. Um, you know, active childhood, overall really good relationships with, with my siblings, and, um, you know, was spiritually interested. And it was really through a, a campus ministry as a college freshman that kind of the, the truths of the gospel kind of um, went down more deeply into my heart and faith. And so that was really a pivot point for me um, as far as my, my faith walk. But, yeah, I, I'm grateful, you know, especially as the years go by in being a part of ministry and particularly women's lives. Um, I'm thankful that I didn't suffer um, the types of traumas that I've I'm in, I have been invited into on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Um, have felt kind of the Lord's mercy being revealed in that way, and that's strengthened me to be able to to minister to others. So really grateful for the Dykus tribe, um, centered in St. Louis, but kind of scattered out and about as well, like like I am. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's actually kind of a sad statement on our world today as much and and kind of just a what a blessing and opportunity is to grow up in a home where people are loving each other and caring for each other but yeah it is so sad that so many people that is not their their case so out of eight kids uh kind of what was the breakdown of brothers and sisters and where did you fit in that that yeah i always get asked about the birth order (laughs) i wasn't i didn't ask about birth order well i kind of did just no i love talking about that (laughs) um there's three women and and i have five brothers i'm the fifth no but where the kind of the birth order stuff gets interesting for those that like diving into that is the first four were born in just over four years wow and then there's a six-year gap and i came along and the final three. So I was kind of like the baby sister, then I was the older sister, and the middle child thrown in into all that. Um, but yeah, so I've got, you know, and there's a 17 year age span too among all yeah. of us. So my older sister is eight years older, younger sister is eight years younger. Um, but you know, the older you get, the more those, some of those age gaps don't really make as much of a difference. Yeah, they don't so, make a but six years when you're growing up is a big like that's a big yeah. gap between siblings. Oh, yeah, and eight, so, and eight years, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. eight years is huge. So you guys kind of had two two segments of, of family yeah. in a sense for your parents growing up. Wow, interesting. Yeah. And there wasn't really there wasn't really a lot of there wasn't many years at all. Actually, only about one when we were all living in the house. Oh wow! Yeah. That's incredible. So, you know, hmm. you think my so my oldest brother left um, when the twins, the the final two, um, when they were maybe one or two years old, you know, went off into college and Navy. And so, yeah, so it was. But, you know, I, I really love being from a big family. Uh, I, it's hard to imagine having being an only child or just having one or two siblings. So I've enjoyed it. Very good. So what did you guys do a lot of stuff together? Because 
it, it, uh, it seems to me it would just be hard to go off and do a bunch of different things when you have that many people to transport. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there really was, it was kind of like two different sibling groups almost. But yeah, we, I'm grateful. You know, we grew up um, always having like our family dinner together game playing game game nights and you know me and most of my siblings were pretty active in athletics and you know my parents were really involved in that you know coming to attending and being present in that but you know this was all pre pre-internet too and, and I'm thankful my parents were pretty um like we didn't have the tv on all the time and so we were playing games playing outside and I mean, as you can imagine, I, I'm so grateful now that that's my foundation yeah. as I became an adult. Yeah, I was talking to some people last night about just the challenges kids face with <clears throat> technology and the internet and all the, the different mm-hmm. things with social media. And uh, yeah, I'm thankful to not have had all of that growing up. I, computers were part of my upbringing, but man I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to be a kid right now honestly like I th- we need to pray oh, for them yeah, a lot we're, it's just kind of the air you breathe yeah yep. well fast yeah. forward you, you already mentioned a little bit um, that how the Lord brought you to saving faith or maybe uh, how he deep more deep well you tell it tell your story of how you came to faith and and brought into the family of God yeah well, you know, so I, so I grew up, you know, in a, in a family that was church going, um, had a true, I think, reverence for God and a life of obedience. And I'm thankful for that because for me, um, you know, I wasn't really understanding grace, but I also did not grow up with this big works mentality that just wasn't a part of it. Um, but as a, as, a, as a high school student, there was definitely things that were stirring up in my heart. Um, you know, I wondered about how would I be able to serve God somehow when I became older? And there weren't a whole lot of options that I was aware of of how to do that. And so was interested, though, in the Bible. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, there's got to be more to God than what I've understood. And I bet the answers are in the Bible. So I kind of committed, I'm going to get into a Bible study when I go away to school. And the Lord was very kind to protect me because the very first campus group, I mean, I was really open to probably almost anything. And the Lord led me to Campus Crusade, now Crew. Mm -hmm. And I was just solidly taught scriptures and... um, not only not only what does it mean to be in relationship with the Lord, but how to share my faith, how to disciple other people, um, even how to do Bible study talks. I mean, who I am today builds on that foundation of four years of been, having been so invested in as a young as a young woman. And so and, and you know, that that was really influential because also through that ministry, I was kind of from the very beginning was discipled in a worldview that includes it's not just all about me, but about mm-hmm. not hoarding, but sharing the gospel, investing our lives in others. And so I don't know if, I don't know what your experience has been, Curtis, but it's been really 
um, both I've been so filled with gratitude, but sad as I've gotten older to realize so few adults have ever been discipled that way. Yeah. And it came through a parachurch ministry, but so many adults don't have that experience to have somebody really investing in not only their faith walk, but as a person to minister to other people. So that laid the foundation and here I am, you know, many years later now. No, that's awesome. No, I think you're right. And it's been encouraging because I ask my students, uh, the college students now, how many of them have been in a discipleship relationship or an intentional, you know, they'll use a lot of different terms and more and more they have been. And that's an encouragement and it's a real excitement that the church, I think, has seen a bit of a renaissance in Mm -hmm. discipleship and personal (laughs) ministry, which... Obviously, uh, what we do and what we talk about, we love that, and we're all about it. So I'm encouraged. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think there was a a lot of adults, and a lot of people never never had that. So where were you at school when you got connected with with Campus Crusade? Yeah, Kirksville, Missouri. Oh, where is that? It's in uh, nor- northeast Missouri, okay. um, close to the Iowa border. So it was I, it was a state school. It's now called Truman University, but yeah, just a town of like six thousand six thousand people. Wow. Or no, the school was six thousand. The city was maybe fifteen thousand or something. So wow, very yeah. small. That is small. But it was good. I loved it. It was a good fit for me. Very cool. And what were you studying while you were there? Um, interpersonal communication and sociology. Fascinating. Or yeah, definitely bachelor's. basically unmarketable degree, but it was <laughs> I enjoyed the classes. <laughs> and it was it was a good fit in light of kind of where the Lord would, would eventually lead me. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So how did you get into biblical counseling in particular? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been in kind of active biblical counseling ministry really, I would say for the last sixteen years that I've been on staff here at Harvest. I mean we we kind of call what we do discipleship, but it's basically yeah. biblical counseling, you know, bringing the scriptures, bringing the gospel to the real deal of life. Um, but before that, a lot of my, I've been in ministry most of my adult life, kind of it's my vocation. I was in missions. I was overseas. I was on staff at my church in Lewis for several years. But my inroad into biblical counseling was really through my own neediness and my own brokenness in the realm of relationships and you know who who would have known that like those areas of just relational dependencies and idolatries you know codependency um, if you will that those struggles which had just been so much a part of my life was how I initially found the ministry of CCEF and was amazed by the teaching and the wisdom that I was reading in books by men like David Paulson and Paul Tripp. And I've told a lot of people that when I found those books, I thought, this is the kind of teaching I've always longed for, but I didn't know it existed. And, And I was in a very solid Bible teaching church, but when I was learning from CCF, um, I mean, those were the my first. Uh, those were the first people I was reading. I had never heard kind of that angle on things, and so that opened up the whole biblical counseling world for me and for my own heart's kind of discipleship, repentance, and healing. And that led me to move out here in 2005 to study. 
oh, wow. anticipating that I would turn back around in nine months, head back to St. Louis, and probably launch out overseas again. That's what I was in, in, anticipating. But, you know, one thing led to another, and I did an internship with CCF, and then I came on staff here at Harvest. And, and we're like a sister, we have a kind of a brother-sister relationship with CCF. So I actually, I actually love that, that it was a combination of my love for God's word, my desire to teach and disciple others, and my own kind of desperation. You know, I'd gone to counselors, I had gone to Bible studies, and there was all this helpful teaching, but it wasn't landing in these deep places of my heart until I got involved in the biblical counseling world. And now I'm able to, by, by God's wisdom and, and grace and the Spirit, offer that to other people. Yeah, that's awesome. There's That is a testimony of so many people is that they got into it because they received it first themselves and, and needed it. So yeah. did, you, did you find CCF by looking for counseling or were you just searching the internet? Did you find those books on your own? Somebody connect you with them? Internet search, Google, codependency plus Christian plus Bible Hmm. and up comes when people are big and God is small (laughs) by Ed Welch. I thought, okay, this, this looks interesting. Overcoming peer pressure and codependency. So I ordered that and I was like, wow, okay, this is completely new way of looking at this. Mm. So, yeah, so there's something to be said for those tags on your posts where people can snag those when you do an internet search. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's how I found it. Yeah, I think we, you know, we see a fair amount of traffic on the BCC's website, and it is often people just searching a problem and Bible. uh, And those, those words coming together... I mean, mm-hmm. praise the Lord. That's what they're looking yeah. for, and yeah. uh, when they find it, and that's and it, it does speak to what you were saying that I think there's something in us that we know the Bible has to have something to say about yeah. what my life is going through, and we're hungry yeah. for that. We believe it's out there, and when we find it, it's like yes, this is yeah. what this is what I've been looking for. So well, that's awesome. Uh, so. Yeah. <clears throat> from there, uh, when you went to CCF, were you there to study at CCF or did you go to Westminster and do a, like an MABC or something like that? Like what, what did that look like for you? Yeah, well, no, in the years leading up to that, the move out here, I had gone to Covenant Seminary and had gotten kind of my Master of Biblical Theological Studies there. If I hadn't have done that, I probably would have gone to Westminster, you know, and gotten their, their uh, Master of Biblical Counseling. So, no, I, I moved out here and was just a full-time CCF student. So, if you can imagine, in a year's time, I did 12 biblical counseling courses. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a lot. But, uh, yeah, I moved out here. And, actually, I was surprised because I thought that's kind of what people did. And I wasn't as familiar with the, the program at Westminster, um, which was more of, I think, people relocating here to go to Westminster. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was me and a couple actually from the biblical counseling world in India. Uh, oh, wow. We were the only ones that had kind of relocated to be full-time CCF students. So that's a, that's intense. You had no idea what you're getting into. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's pros and cons, you know, doing yep. seminary in three years or doing it in nine years. Same thing with these courses, but um, trust, trusting the Lord's provision. No, that's great. Did you ever as did you ever counsel on staff at CCF then too? 
No. No, I was an intern there for a year. Um, and, uh, but no, I've never, I mean, I, I love partnering with them. You know, I've gotten to uh, teach at their conference several times and write a couple times for their journal, but um, have never served on st- in a staff role. Yeah. Uh, so who are some of the, you mentioned some of the authors that you read, and obviously you're at CCF. So who are some of the key people who influenced you in biblical counseling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, definitely um, the CCF um team over really all these years and you know several of these staff have um, like david paulson is pat you know died um paul trip and others have have moved on Uh, but i would say that's they have probably been my primary resources and you know it's been a blessing to be on the biblical counseling coalition leadership council and that's really helped me to connect with um, so many others uh, from the various um, pockets of the biblical counseling world. And so that's also been a tremendous you know, blessing, as well as partnering through writing with publishers like New Growth Press and PNR that really have a focus on, on biblical counseling. Um, but I would say the CCF, that those books kind of remain a part of my foundation. And I'll, I'll kind of mention that this would maybe, this is maybe a little bit less intuitive, but actually missionary bi- biographies or biographies of people from the past has been actually a really significant part of my own personal sanctification and being trained up in ministry as I've kind of gleaned just wisdom and insights from men and women that definitely would not have considered themselves biblical counselors and wouldn't even really be in that probably description, but they were living out Christ and applying God's word in various cultural contexts. And there's so much I've gleaned from that in light of taking the gospel and applying it to various heart contexts and problem and brokenness situations. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good word. And it's important for us too to recognize and realize I often call this the modern biblical counseling movement. And there was a recovery of something that had been lost where the church wasn't uh, large in large part. I know that I'm sure there were some faithful churches throughout history, but in large part had kind of abdicated their responsibility of caring for souls. But that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that the, the, individual one another ministry of the word wasn't taking place and so yeah yeah, we 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 have to learn and see that happening uh in mission biographies mission biographies uh all kinds of places so no that's a really really good obviously you've read a lot and you've you've read a lot of uh been around a lot of resources but if you were to pick two or three that have been super influential for you, which books would stand out to you as the most shaping for you? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've kind of mentioned when people are big and and God is small. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll kind of put that to the side, but um, definitely Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul Tripp. That really opened up for me. Uh, I mean, you know, and that was layered on top of a lot of years of discipleship uh, training and discipling other people but that again just brought this biblical framework that was clearly centered on the person of Christ so that was a key book 
Um, you know, in David Paulson's book, uh, Seeing with New Eyes, I would single out his essay on I am motivated when I feel desire. Mm. Uh, that was really influential for me in just understanding the whole world of, um, of our desires. And then, you know, uh, another book that actually has been really influential to me that, again, would not be considered in the biblical counseling world, but is Andrew Murray's book, Abide in Christ. Um, well, I would say that and Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. Like those two, you know, there would be different, uh, not everything I would be completely on board with theologically, but what they're bringing out in those books about our union with Jesus and Bonhoeffer's, how that's supposed to make a difference in the way we relate to each other in holy ways um, has been very influential in me in light of union with Christ and how that's meant to make a, a profound difference in our world of relationships, which has been a, a primary focus of my my writing, has been relational integrity or wholeness and holiness. Mm. So those, those are the ones that kind of, you know, most come to mind uh, right now. No, thanks for sharing. Those are those sound. I haven't read all of them, but those, yeah, those are those are great. That'll, I'll definitely yeah. check them out, and hopefully, some of our our audience will as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we've added these questions to this season of of fifteen fourteen and the getting to know you thing. Uh, thinking about people, books, events, things like that that have shaped us in our ministry. Are there key events or moments in in your life that you really see God shaping you as a counselor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there could be so many, but I would say two in particular. Uh, one was really when a family member called me out and really exposing my uh, inner self-righteous uh, Pharisee and um you know, I was having a conversation with this person and had just said, you know, said something that was a little bit of a jab, but couched in humor. And she just started crying a little bit, which I was undone by. And I'll explain, especially why that undid me in a minute, because that relates to the second thing. But In the midst of that conversation, she just said, Ellen, sometimes I just don't think you realize how you come across. And that was 14 years ago. So I was a few years into this role at Harvest. Uh, I had been active in ministry, you know, and I was the kind of ministry person in my family. And she was exactly on point. And the Holy Spirit used that it was kind of like a, a, a surgeon's knife going into my heart and just opening things up for um, repentance of a lot of pride and just I was self-deceived in a lot of ways about the way I was li- the way I was coming across, particularly, I think, with family. And that was the beginning of an ongoing process of repentance, uh, but also of being humbled and leaning into that process of just humbling myself under under the Lord. 
And the Lord's con continues to do that. And I've had faithful people, you know, the wounds of true friends, brothers and sisters who have who have called me out on that. But that was just a radical change point for me. But then the other thing was a few years before that when my mom died and she died actually in 2006. So it was the year before I came on staff here. And, you know, I did not grow up in one thing with my family. There was a lot of positives, but it was not a very emotive family. We didn't really talk about hard things. We didn't express difficult emotions to each other. And so I never really learned how to do that growing up. And so when my mom died pretty unexpectedly, I was terrified emotionally of, am I going to just fall into this big black hole of depression, lostness? I didn't know. But in in but the Lord used my mom's death to birth a lot of life in me, actually, including my emotion, my emotional world, which I think had just been kind of stuffed and just it was an area where at that point I was, you know, maybe like a 12 or 13 year old emotionally, mm -hmm. even as I was this adult woman and doing teaching and ministry. And so her death, it truly was an example of a death leading to just amazing new life in me in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, I, I could go on about those. But those are two key things where the Lord brought death to things in, in me and around me and produced amazing resurrection life that has led to a lot of change and has been a part of God's formation um, as a woman in ministry. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. And that's a, it's such a encapsulation of the way God works often. And I think yeah. all of us who've lived long enough realize yeah. the times of difficulty, whether it's sin and struggle or suffering and struggle through those are times where we grow the most. Yeah. Um, and I remember I've, it's stuck with me for a number of years now, this musician, a uh, worship leader one time, he wrote a song basically about his kids failing and praying that they would fail and that they would face hardship. And mm. as a parent, that we're, that's so anti mm -hmm. what we want for our kids. But in reality, like God uses those those moments so mm. much in our lives to shape us and mold us. So, yeah, yeah those are those are some painful, but James chapter one kind of yeah. kind necessary, of yeah. <laughs> yeah, necessary trials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, praise the Lord. And you know, talking about that actually reminds me of another really influential author and leader in all this and that's paul miller who founded see jesus and his books like love walked among us a praying life and particularly j curve dying and rising with jesus in everyday life uh, that has been really trans that book in particular has been really transformational for me of understanding union with christ and just the dying to life, dying to life kind of ebb and flow of our Christian experience. And, you know, those two stories, without me even really thinking about it until after I had said them to you, are really an example of what he's getting at in his book, uh, The J-Curve. Yeah, well, that's another good recommendation. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me, one of the what's one of the hardest things you've faced in ministry? Or in a can be a particular instance uh, or, I don't know, just the uh, uh, type of ministry or thing that's hard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, well, 
actually, just two things because they're they're kind of connected. I mean, one is, you know, I think like any counselor, just it's hearing and holding a lot of really, you know, painful stories. You know, Diane Langberg, who's a therapist of forty five years. You know, one thing that she would say to her students was something along the lines of how horrified they would become in seeing what people can do to each other. And in my ministry here at Harvest, where the focus is on sexual sin, um, you know, women and men who need help with their sexual integrity, wives and marriages impacted by sexual sin, and then we have a parents ministry. You know, the high majority of people coming to us do have sexual abuse in their backgrounds, even though that's not our specialty. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just, you know, the the curtain is pulled back and you see you see so much pain and devastation. And so that's definitely hard. But then on the other side of what's been particularly painful of serving in this ministry with Harvest USA has been the so many believers, professing believers, caving on a biblical worldview, uh, going back into same-sex relationships or churches that are caving on a biblical view of marriage. Um, You know, people will ask us, like, do you guys get a lot of, you know, persecution or backlash from, you know, the world around you? And we really don't. I mean, the Lord's kind of kept us off the radar screen, but it's from the professing body of Christ and those yeah. those turns are just really painful yeah. you know because you think hey you know we're shouldn't we be all focused on Christ together and so in the last several years with all that's happened culturally and so many in the professing church following culture's influence uh, that's been just heartbreaking yeah no doubt no doubt well thank you for staying in it and keep keep doing it uh and my follow-up question to that is um what what are the things in ministry that give you joy and keep you going yeah well you know kind of the the flip side of those things is you know seeing the change that christ uh does bring you know the hope we have in christ for change from the inside out um you know in our we're not long-term counselors our our long-term ministry are in our discipleship groups so we're walking with people over the course of a year maybe even a couple of years in those groups and you know it's it's a rare person that comes into our ministry and leaves and everything is just great i mean that's hardly anybody right it's it's a lifelong process but I think it's, you know, it's, it's getting in the trenches with people and really diving in and bringing the gospel, you know, bringing Christ into these areas. And I'm, you know, I'm moving out of that direct ministry. I, I won't be doing that that much anymore. And that really leads to, I think, one of my other great joys that I'm going to be involved in most of my time now is teaching and equipping and encouraging God's people to care for each other, to minister for each other, to understand God's word in these areas. Like I really love doing that through speaking, through writing, um, to be able to encourage, encourage God's people with what is true and apply it in areas of relational and, and sexual integrity. 
So that that uh, that's an area where I really feel the Lord's pleasure, you know, to quote Eric Little, feel the Lord's pleasure in just teaching and encouraging God's people in that way. Oh. Well, you're good at it. So praise the Lord. He, he definitely has you in the right place. So thank you for doing that. Last question before I let you go. Where any, any, well, of course we all make mistakes, but any particular mistake that you've made in counseling that you can share uh, that you learn from and how others might learn from it as well? Mm. Oh, which to choose? (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is um, especially for those like younger new counselors just to realize like we all make mistakes. So, (laughs) well, I would say, Yeah, I mean, I've made lots of different mistakes along the way, but I would say one that has been particularly, you know, brought, brought, um, it was consequential, I'll put it that way, but it has also led to, so it is leading to so much good is uh, not having discernment in situations and that's something I really began praying for many years ago that the Lord would continue to grow my discernment in situations because my my makeup like who I am both personality and maybe just my constitution and who the Lord's made me is I tend to be an optimist you know people will say yeah Ellen will say that she's not half glass full she's two-thirds full and I (laughs) tend in that direction to believe the best in people which is a blessing but there have been some situations where my compass got off track when I should have exited certain situations like ministry to people I wasn't reading it right like I I didn't have I should have exited situations and not been investing so much and so that's a mistake that you know I continue to grow in having wisdom but I think for younger or less experienced counselors that are just starting out is really pray that God will continue to give you discernment and don't isolate as a counselor. Like, you know, work with a team, even if you have your own private practice, like you need other people speaking in, in supervisory type ways, but also people that are praying for you so that when you have a counseling situation and something just feels off, like you don't really want to be in it, but you feel like you should is, and that's where some of my, I think, mistakes came is I wasn't bringing other people into a, a few situations. And had I done that, I think those people would have been saying, Ellen, yeah, I think the Lord is leading you to step away or step back from this. So I think that would be this, the discernment and being aware of the enemy's schemes and deceptions. Um, like if, if with a counselor, of course, it would be a major devastation like for me to pursue sin or pursue a sinful relationship. But the enemy will get at anything he can. And if that's distracting, if he's kind of can hook me in, in the mysterious ways that all that happens to even be distracted by some counseling scenarios, then he'll he'll seize the opportunity. So um, so pray for discernment get wise discerning people in your life that you're processing with and heed heed the holy spirit's prompts when you're getting some an alarm going off even if it's soft it's saying oh pause here 
pause and step back here. So learning, learning as I go, but those, those are some, some things that I'm grateful that the Lord continues to bring, I think, maturity to and wisdom to. Well, those are great lessons. And Ellen, thanks so much for sure, for sharing with us a little bit of your life and, and encouraging yeah. us to grow and to love Jesus. So, and thanks for being with us on the show today. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.